to the Retail Transformation Show with me, Oliver Banks. This is your weekly podcast, delivering you the insight, ideas, and inspiration to successfully change and transform in our ever-evolving world of retail. Enjoy listening. Well, a big hello and welcome to the Retail Transformation Show. I'm Oliver Banks, your host, and proud to be your guide, helping show you the way through the ever-evolving world of retail. Thank you for tuning in. This episode is number 157, number 157. The metaverse is currently one of the most hyped up areas of retail. And this is, of course, a topic that we've already explored a little. There is obviously a huge amount to explore, but we have touched on it already in the podcast. And I'll have some references for you a little later on for further episodes to listen to. But the metaverse is increasingly offering more opportunities to retailers. But to find out more, I wanted to take a different look at the metaverse and almost go back to the roots of the metaverse. And in particular, the world of gaming and how computer games are colliding with retail and life in general to present a number of different futures available to us. And to help us find out more, I'm really excited to be welcoming Hilmar Peterson to the show. Now, Hilmar is CEO of CCP Games, based in Iceland. And CCP Games are most commonly known for their flagship product, EVE Online, a massively multiplayer online game, which is all based in space. And you take the role of a spaceship pilot and you can explore the universe. They have created their own metaverse. And as you'll hear, this presents itself with a number of different retail opportunities and actual life opportunities and life experiences as well. And EVE Online has now been around for 18 years, since 2003. And Hilmar has been CEO since 2004. Previously, he was Chief Technical Officer and headed up the engineering effort to create a full virtual world. And consequently, he's gone on to lead continual growth in subscriber engagement for the EVE Online world. Now, this conversation was recorded at Retail Week Live so there is quite a bit of background noise, but you can immerse yourself into the uh, virtual world of Retail Week Live throughout this podcast. <laughs> it's a really fascinating conversation. And my ask of you, just before we do dive into it, is just open your mind. Open your mind to think of the opportunities, particularly if you're not that familiar with the world of online gaming. So do enjoy the conversation. I would love to hear what you think of it once you've finished. Oh, and stick around to the end where I'll be sharing some of my reflections on the conversation as well as some further episodes to listen to. Show notes are going to be at obandco.uk slash 157. Let's get into it. So I'm very glad to be joined here on the Retail Transformation Show by Hilmar Peterson. Hilmar, how are you? Hi, I'm very good. Been having a great show here. We are at Retail Week Live. You've just done a fantastic session on the metaverse, yep. which I'm sure we're going to be touching on as we go through today's discussion. 
But I'm really keen to dive into your experience, particularly around obviously gaming and retail. So let's just have a little look back in terms of how the relationship between gaming and retail has evolved over time. Yeah, well, if we maybe start uh, at the beginning where we were uh, releasing our game in 2003, um, then it was very traditional that if you were a game developer, you would find the publisher. The publisher would work with various retail channels uh, to distribute a box with a CD with a game inside. Uh, and this we did. We did a contract with Simon & Schuster, which had an interactive software and games division at the time. So they were our publisher and our distributor for the boxes was Vivendi. Mm -hmm. We kind of complete the game uh, and uh, are ready to launch. Uh, but at the start of 2003, then uh, Simon & decides to uh, stop their focus on games, focus on the book business, um, or someone coming out and whatnot, so so they were uh, needed to focus on the core. So they shut down their game division. Uh, the boxes were already in channel in the retail channel, uh, only about thirty thousand of them. Oh no! So we <laughs> end up in this very peculiar situation where uh, we have made the game, we ready the servers, everyone is ready to come. We're running a beta of the ver beta version of the game where people could download the game from our website and uh, play it. Uh, mm. without any uh, need to go to retail. But because we had made the publishing agreement and the distribution agreements and all these things, we couldn't distribute the game digitally. So uh, we are now faced with the, the boxes are in channel, only 30,000 of them. We have released the game, it's open for business, few people have found boxes and they're starting to log in, log in just a few thousand. <laughs> and then there is an interesting game that occurs is that potential players of Online are finding boxes with the game on it and there's a code on the box yep it's called the cd key which allows you to uh, open up an account so there's this guerrilla army of finding the e-boxes the which was the only legitimate way to join the game <laughs> so we talk spent... about uh, natural <laughs> fomo i guess yeah <laughs> and then uh, uh, we spent the first year where we can't really distribute the game because it's stuck in retail with yep. this uh, Division, which is now closed, we, we end up being able to work out an arrangement with someone who's just there where we buy back the rights and start to release the game digitally for going retail. So, as of 2004, uh, our game has just been downloaded from our website, not in retail in boxes. Interestingly, though, 2009, six years later, we actually uh, make a retail arrangement with Atari mm -hmm. to. Uh, Again, introduced the, the game into retail. It's now then been only available online for six years. Yep. Uh, and we saw a massive spike from that. So just as like uh, retail was the bane of our existence for the first year, we got a massive boost. Uh, yeah. So was, I, th was this, you know, 2009, was it more from stores or was it online channels that was, was driving uh, it, it was actually from stores. Uh, uh, in 2009, a lot of... Uh, discovery of new games were still done by a certain segment of, of players in the store yep uh, and not online and um, and we, we actually don't have box distribution now I think it's now fully passed yep. um, I don't I don't think there is a uh, so much at least not for PC games it's a little bit for console games uh, and and will probably take a while for them to go so I think the relationship between games and retail has largely been about the boxes but now interestingly we have a store inside the game where we spell, sell clothes, uh, currency, all sorts of things. 
Now, are we uh, talking digital clothes here, or are we talking physical uh, real t-shirts and so on? We're talking a bit of both. We, okay. we have, we have t-shirts uh, that's on an online web store, and, and that's one aspect of retail we do. And then, but the more interesting bit is the retail we do inside the game, mm. selling virtual clothes on Tell virtual avatars. Yeah. yeah, so uh, even though our game is largely a spaceship game, then uh, it is the need for everyone that plays any game to kind of articulate their identity in the game. And the best way to do that is with an avatar that can then make cosmetic choices about how you look like, what kind of clothes you want to wear, etc. And we uh, added this in 2011 to our game and opened up a store where we were selling clothes in a spaceship game. They uh, sell quite a bit and our retelling of it is in many ways primitive compared to what I'm seeing here at the show where there's a lot of AI recommendation engines that are presenting you with options and, and whatnot. Yep. And it's actually been quite inspiring to see how far retail has come, both online and, and in the physical world, and how we in games could actually learn about our retail in our digital stores inside our games. I mean, that's interesting, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. In terms of just a great user experience yeah. of like uh, recommending similar items, creating bundles on the fly. Uh, understanding your purchase habits, your your mood you're in, etc. There's a lot of companies uh, advertising here, 50% e increase in checkout volumes, la la la. And, yep. and we need all of this. We we struggle with conversion. We struggle with uh, aggregating together items into bundles. And uh, and in many ways, as much as games are cutting ads, our retail is quite primitive <laughs> compared to what Which, I see. You know. You're absolutely right, though. It is just another channel in many ways right yes and it's how do you how do you optimize how do you learn the sort of the rules of, yes. of said channel and so on yeah even if we don't look at ourselves as retailers we in a way are we run a store it has items in it and players are buying things from us as a retailer of virtual goods inside yeah. our game and you touched on it just a minute ago but you you phrased it really nicely in in your session a little earlier around actually how we as consumers buy products to show the, the rest yes. of the world yeah. what yeah. we want to be perceived as. Yeah, it's, it's often good to break it down. Like, uh, and I often take fashion and clothing uh, because the utility of clothes to make you warm is obviously just a fraction of why we're buying all these clothes. Far gone beyond that. So what is then the reason? And the reason is we buy the clothes to present ourselves to others. That is the reason why we buy them. Otherwise, we just would have been wearing the clothes we were wearing when we were, we were working from home. Yep. We're all just wearing sweatpants <laughs> and t-shirts, and that would be the, the wardrobe you would need. Uh, but we it's a much larger wardrobe. So what is that? That is because you want to express your identity to others in a social context. Uh, this is actually why people buy virtual clothes with virtual avatars. They are expressing the identity they want to represent to others, which might not be the identity they want to rep represent in, in real life. And it's actually, um, I watch my kids uh, and how they consume these things a lot. Mm. And you can see they have a way more flexible idea of who they want to be today. Like uh, there's a lot of like disassociation from their natural persona to their online persona. There are multiple online personas. So it's a way more flexible situation. And I think that could also be a lesson to retail in the real world of uh, there are various contexts where people want to present themselves differently in different times. And obviously, we see that just from morning to evening and kind of very obvious things like that. Yep. But maybe there is opportunity for way more, as we see in games. Yeah, absolutely. It's really interesting. But 
Touching on that sort of whole perception and how the world sees you, I'm keen to take a slightly different direction and ask about the community aspect of of EVE Online and, and games in general. Uh, as we see gaming and retail and then the community aspect yeah. coming together, yeah. what are your sort of thoughts on, on that? Yeah, on? so the reason why our game EVE Online has been going on for 18 years is because of the community that has formed around it. Mm. Um, and that is really the most interesting bit about the game. The, the game, its mechanics, etc., are interesting, but they're mostly interesting in the way they form a community around them. Wow, okay. Uh, and, and we more and more look at our mechanics within the game as foundations for the emergence of community to, to occur from the fundamentals. And there are many things deeply embedded into the design of the game which are inducive to create strong relationships between people. Because, uh, well, there are several types of communities, but uh, what I think is the most interesting bit with our community is that there are very strong ties between individual people within them. There's a lot of people that self-report that they have more friends, real friends, not just kind of virtual acquaintances, but yep. real deep friendships because of the game. People they met in the game uh, and, and, and have been friends with for, for decades gone mm. to war with them, I use air quotes because uh, <laughs> it's obviously a virtual war in, yeah. in a very fake way. But uh, we also hear a lot from people that have actually gone to war that uh, the experience in their perspective is very humbling. Uh, in many ways, cre Eve creates a similar kind of camaraderie as you, as you, as you get from, from that kind of intensity. Mm. So, um, uh, that is the reason why the game uh, has been thriving for 18 years. And when you look at it, like retail, and I often take a, an example of a retail store here in the UK called Andertons, which is a music store in Guildford, yep. a pretty small one, um, and they have built an enormous community around their store through their YouTube presence. And it's such a great example of how you can transcend your kind of origin as a, as a music retailer, and now you're an international community of the music equipment enthusiasts yep. uh, where, where they're shipping internationally like there's no tomorrow uh, and it's really just a tiny music store in, in Guildford uh, but through the the power of community they have risen to this very interesting place and I think it's fantastic I mean sort of technology and the digital world allows anyone yeah. to have yeah. a, yes. a big voice from a, a small footprint, shall we say? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I say that coming from Iceland, which is yeah, <laughs> with yeah. Online, we certainly have a bigger voice than uh, actually Online is bigger than our country. Like there are more people wow. that play Online than than live That's in Iceland. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so staying with this sort of theme of community, as we start to think about the metaverse, mm -hmm. my head kind of goes to Ready Player One, the film. Yeah. Uh, have you seen that? Of course. Yeah. Of course, I kind of expected you might have done. <laughs> Is that where we're heading? So, um, I mean, the the best expressions or the most kind of uh, experience that people have this concept concept of the metaverse is either Snow Crash by Neil Stevenson or Ready Player One, the movie or the book. Yeah. Um, and uh, uh, obviously, these are the metaverse is a literary story construct in in these examples. And often when you make virtual worlds and games for a living, some of the, the, the elements in this book are a little kind of cringeworthy because it would never really work like that. Okay. But it works great 
like a book, but the I, I think the actual kind of metaverse experiences uh, are. I mean, maybe they they will end up being like this. That's a few decades from now, where you have we are at the at the level of uh, sort of frictionless immersion, where you yep. where you're where you're taking it all the way to that level, um, and that might be in our lifetimes. But in the meantime, what the metaverse experiences are maybe a lot more in your head than it is in the in the actual immersion of it. Like if mm. you look at something like. Uh, EVE Online, people do experience the game as a form of reality to them. They have their friends there, meaningful relationships, they've earned uh, assets and equipment inside the game, and when you talk to EVE players, to them, they are just as real as the car they have in their parking lot. Yeah. Their, their, their spaceship exists in a, in, a, in, a, in a similar social context as the car in the parking lot. Wow, yeah. I mean, uh, it's a, a big sort of mental and emotional and even financial investment absolutely. into yeah. that it's world, a, right? It's exactly that. It's a, it's, a, it's a mental, emotional, and financial context, social context, which create a certain reality which might not be the most important part about whether it's in VR or whether it's on a computer screen. Sure. Um, just like when you read a book or watch a movie, your experience of the story can be just as immersive. So I think the 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 interface of how you interface with it often becomes a very prominent element, especially when you're making a movie, because it's a very visual art form, and it's hard to really flesh out the emotional connection that people have with with uh, maybe less visually grandiose things. So um, I think we are. We're going to see the metaverse a lot sooner in the in the type of experiences of like whether it's even online, Fortnite, Roblox, Avakin Live, etc., where people are already having these deep emotional social connections with others without the need for very fancy uh, immersion equipment yeah. like uh, the virtual reality that's kind of presented in Red Player One and Snowcrash. Yeah, and uh, I suppose you know a great movie or TV show on a 2D screen can immerse you. It's just the same, right? It's yes. How do we get engaged and get invested? And yeah, but 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 there is a fundamental difference between mm. um, uh, a show on a TV and a computer game. The singular interesting bit about com- computer games is that you, as the player, are making a decision about what you want to do and what's about to happen. Yeah. And that decision has a ramification to yourself and to others. An alliance leader deciding to go to war in Eve Online is an is a is a is an endeavor that's going to take years to resolve. It's going to engage tens of thousands of people again, tens of thousands of other people. It's it's an it's an amplified uh, social drama. When you're watching uh, Squid Game on 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 TV, it yeah. can't really affect the. The, the world that's being presented yeah. to you. What's happening is happening. Yeah, you're yeah. ultimately a consumer of it. You're not an agent in it. And that's really where games shine. Uh, more than you, you, you give people an agency beyond what they have in a book or have in a movie. You are actually the hero of the story. You can shape the outcome. It's your decisions which are going to lead to greatness or, uh, or failure. It's actually what we have seen is that... Uh, Making a decision and making the wrong decision 
is often the most powerful thing in computer games because mm. that's where the human learning loop kicks in. And then you start to learn from, oh, okay, that wasn't very good. And, and that, there's actually an aspect where we have seen people develop real skills in EVE Online from trial and error or not being very good at something. For example, leadership. Uh, EVE relies a lot about leadership if you're running a corporation or an alliance. And through trial and error, people become exceedingly good at it. Um, so you wouldn't think, or I certainly wasn't thinking when we were making EVE Online, that we, in a way, would be making a leadership training camp yeah, but <laughs> when I look at the outcome, the level of leadership that some of the the e players demonstrate is notable. Mm. I mean, it's, it's really fascinating. I mean, there are several different aspects that we've already touched on that sound like they've surprised you in the the journey of of, of Eve Online. What particular aspect has surprised you most? Has caught you perhaps most off guard with it all? Yeah. So. Well, we can start by the fact that we are here 18 years in, and we're talking about the future, a bright future for EVE Online. I did not foresee that at mm -hmm. all. I think our wildest dreams were that the game was going to go on for five years, and then we're going to make another one. Yep. And here we are 18 years in, and we're making plans for the third decade of EVE Online. That's number one. At uh, a retail conference. <laughs> at a retail conference. Exactly. Talking about the metaverse. But I, which I started, like, I, my first job was at a VML company in Iceland in 96. So it's been a while. And here we are. Yeah. Uh, in any case, um, another one is that we always knew that uh, people would join for the game, or it was the hypothesis. People would join for the game and stay for the community. And, like, high level, that's kind of a, a, exactly what happens. But if you look at the nuance, what does that exactly mean? What was surprising to me was the deep relationships that people form person to person. And, uh, and the realization, and this has been proven uh, many times over, that uh, the key to health, happiness and longevity is how many meaningful uh, relationships you have with other people. Uh, and, that, and the fact that our game has become a friendship engine of sort it's not what we were foreseeing, that we would be creating millions of relationships and often romantic relationships where people have gotten married, had children, the children have grown up and are now playing even online. <laughs> this I did not foresee at all. Wow. Then there is this third component which has to do with the skills that people are, are, are training from playing the game. The, the game is very complicated. Uh, there are aspects of the game that are even more complicated, such as uh, manufacturing all the uh, items and, and, and spaceships and modules, etc., that are in the game. And people build complicated logistics pipelines to manage their manufacturing empires in Himalayan. With, wow. With, with elaborate Excel sheets and whatnot. And when you walk around the retail conference, there's a lot of logistics solutions <laughs> uh, for retail, which is obviously very logistics heavy. And, and this is what deep players are doing all day long. So and perhaps we need to look to, uh, to overcome the current global supply chain challenges. We need to look to, we might, to the or, innovation or in EVE Online, right? We, I have certainly had many EVE stories or EVE players tell me stories about how they got jobs in logistics from showing in job interviews the Excel sheets they use in Emo Online. Goodness gracious! <laughs> yeah. Amazing. Yeah. And and this is this is not this is just concretely happening. Yeah. So the fact that people were learning skills through playing our game, 
that are useful in uh, in business life on planet Earth today. Yep, that also surprised me. That's fantastic. And what do you think retail as an industry can learn from Eve from those lessons as well, in particular? Well, I think the combination of like how games have really emerged onto the world states in 2020. Like I like everyone I talk to that has been working in games for a long time, like myself, we've never seen anything like it. Yep. There were millions of people coming to Eve and uh, on PC and mobile and people coming back. It, it was a massive spike. And I think also parents were experiencing games differently when they were seeing their children connecting with their friends and playing with them perfectly fine, even they could never physically meet. Uh, and how much, uh, how much rewards, emotional, they, they get from doing that. Yep. Uh, so games have really emerged on the state. At the same time, retail went completely online. So there was no physical aspect yep. to anything. It was all online. And then you found people in their sweatpants, on Zoom calls, buying online and playing games. This is a form of a metaverse. It's a very primitive metaverse. But this is like, if you really strip everything away with the fancy graphics and the VR inputs and all those things, this is the metaverse as described in, in uh, Snowcrash and, and Ready Play One. You have to yep. squint your eyes a little bit and it looks like a Stone Age version of it. But <laughs> this is it. You have to start somewhere, right? Yeah. And retail got a taste of that. Many retailers were extremely crafty in switching their businesses completely online. Yes. Uh, and it was like uh, in a panic, under stress, they were forced to do it. But I think a lot of people, both consumers and retail, got a taste of it. Well, okay, maybe we can work on this a little more, but it isn't under like forced stress and panic. And we can take a more of a long-term view of like, this could save us a lot of, frankly, earthly resources. It's a lot yeah. of uh, space on planet Earth occupied by retail stores, the logistics around them and whatnot, when people were perfectly happy uh, just using very primitive websites comparably to a metaverse idea yep. uh, to shop online and just get the goods delivered to their house, which uh, we all know if you run the map is more envi environmentally uh, sustainable and it's also cheaper for everyone involved. Mm. Do, we, do we overcomplicate e-commerce in particular, do you think? Uh, we probably do. It is the, the first step of everything is overcomplicated. Like making simple solution is the hardest thing. You, the first thing you do are complicated things. Yep. Uh, then you get to the, the, the more simple ones. And, and I, I, I think we're still in the stage where it has to get more complicated before we simplify it down again. Uh, because it all, even if it isn't new in the sense, like Amazon has existed for 20 years and obviously done very, very well. <laughs> uh, then uh, at the scale we were seeing in 2020, like that is new where, where people could completely just live digitally from the from the comfort of their of their home. Yep. And and, and this is a lot what the reality is that's being presented uh, in Red Player One and Snowcrash. If you strip away all the fancy uh, VR user interfaces. Yeah, sort of the, 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 the tech yeah. overload, yeah, shall we say. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Oh, that's fascinating. Mm. This, I mean, this is a really interesting uh, topic, I think, that is going to come only more and more relevant. Yeah. And I think as we start to see sort of the world of gaming and retail and the community aspect, which you've, you know, you've clearly said is so important. I mean, yeah. you know, how, how 
how people have come together and formed yep. real genuine friendships. Absolutely. Um, from all over the world, I'm assuming as well. Absolutely. And, <laughs> and, and I think and it's, it's incredibly exciting. It is. And, and it's also like, I mean, loneliness is a big topic in the world today. Yeah. Um, they call it the loneliness epidemic. It's like uh, in 1977, there was a study in New York. Then people were self-reporting. They had something like 10 friends uh, on average. Same study was run in 2007, and it was down to two on average. Uh, that's a massive drop. Yeah. So there is something wrong, which is creating all this loneliness. There, there, there's something in the design of the world. Like they talk about urban isolation, being alone in a crowd. Like there, there's, there's something objectively wrong because people are there have never been more people and they've never been as lonely it doesn't make any sense so then we have something like games which are connecting people together like making new relationships not just reinforcing existing ones so maybe and i've often had this theory that maybe it has to do with big cities because big cities are full of crowds it's overloaded or sort of facial recognition and kind of threat response and and we have problems yep. connecting if you're constantly in a crowd and you're more, never more lonely than in, if you're in a crowd in a way and then you have games which at least in our case seem to have a better job of connecting people and making re new friendships and then maybe there's something to learn from this because often when i describe the metaverse which kind of sounds a little bit like the Matrix when you when you take it to the extreme. Yeah. <laughs> and people said, talk to me, Hilmar, that's very dystopian. Well, yes, uh, the future always looks dystopian when you're looking at it from the vantage point of today. When 1984 was written, it looked very dystopic. This is concretely our life today. Like yeah. everything in that book is just our life today. Yeah, yeah. And it isn't that dystopian. Like uh, we're just it, living it. It normalizes yeah. very quickly, right? Exactly. So uh, maybe the metaverse might be able to solve many problems for us, could also solve the loneliness problem. And certainly by looking at the online, um, uh, we can see a little path from there to, uh, to a greater tomorrow. Fantastic. Well, this is, this is really exciting. I can't wait to see, see what happens. Yeah. Um, and yeah, look forward to, to catching up in the metaverse then. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks so much, Omar. It's been great to have you here on the show. Yeah, thank you. So there was my conversation with Hilmar Peterson, CEO of CCP Games. Hearing Hilmar's experience with EVE Online was really fascinating. In particular, learning just how immersive it truly can be. And in turn, what that can mean for people's lives and how committed they are to the cause. As you heard, people have learned leadership skills. They've learned supply chain skills. And I'm sure plenty of uh, combat skills as well along the way. As well as building real relationships. And the whole community aspect of EVE Online or other online games or the metaverse helps people feel connected, it helps them feel part of something bigger, which I suppose is the very essence of community, right? But to me, EVE Online presents a brilliant explanation of what a metaverse could be, the many different facets, that community aspect that we spoke about, and in particular, the decision-making element that Hilmar so wisely put across. 
People feel engaged. They feel involved. They are empowered. And for me, this was a key takeaway. And in turn, I'd like to challenge you to think, how can you truly make your retail experience or your retail business or your brand truly immersive? How can you help people make decisions and not just decisions about buy or not buy, right? Get people involved. Make them play an important part, not just sit on the sidelines as an observer or arguably a consumer. And if you can do that, just imagine what that would mean from a loyalty perspective or from a recommendation perspective. You know, I think you could really push the limits in a huge way if you can make your brand, your business, your organization immersive. Another key takeaway was actually a quote from Hilmar when he said, the future always looks very dystopian when you look at it from the vantage point of today. And how true is that for transformation? How true is that for change and actually change management, right? We look at the future and it feels scary. It feels chaotic. It feels dystopian. But just as Hilmar mentioned in the book 1984, that felt dystopian. That felt strange, but here we are. So again, another challenge to you. Get comfortable with the unknown. Get comfortable with exploring and creating the future. A future that perhaps does feel dystopian. A future that does feel uncomfortable. And once you've got to that, you can begin to work out what the different paths are that could lead you there. And that really reminded me of another episode. Episode 113, number 113, with Dr. Jackie Mulligan where we were exploring disruptive thinking in a volatile world, very closely related there. And I had some other recommendations for further listening as well. Firstly, episode 128, number 128, with Kathy Hackle, a metaverse expert, as we dived into AR, VR and retail in the metaverse. A really nice partner episode to listen to there. And then why not scroll back further into the archives to episode 60 for an episode called Your Store is the Stage. And that's an interesting episode with a theme of putting your customer as a central lead part in a story, a bigger story, more than just buy or not buy. And then the final episode I'd suggest you go and check out is the one right before this one, number 156, 156 where I recorded my reflections from Retail Week Live, which is, of course, where we were recording this episode. And that's a great episode called The Many Changing Facets of Retail. So as I mentioned right at the start of the podcast, I would love to hear your reflections from this episode. Do reach out and please do share. My email is oliver.banks at obandco.uk. And I'm also going to put that on the show notes along with those further episodes to listen to as well. So you can find all of that at obandco.uk slash 157. And if you want to keep your finger firmly on the pulse of the ever evolving world of retail, sign up for the Retail Transformation Briefing, where you'll get the key headlines of how retail is changing, along with insights and intel to keep you up to speed. It's absolutely free, so sign up at obandco.uk slash 157. 
Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode today. And I'll look forward to joining you on another episode very, very soon. Bye for now.